Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. 525,949. That's how many minutes you have in the coming year. But time goes quickly. Appointments are made. Meetings get booked. There's your work week, sports games, school plays, email, texts, shopping trips, and vacation plans. It all fills up pretty quickly. And sometimes we need a vacation from vacation. We want to get ahead, so we're always on. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and we become slaves to our schedule. But what if this year was different? What if this year you pushed back against the pressure and let God manage your calendar? Imagine having more time, 24 hours, every single week. What if you had more time to laugh, to love, to play with your kids, go for a walk, or enjoy a nap? All the things that make life worth living. Instead of living 24 hours, 7 days a week, What if this was the year you live 24-6? 24-6. Discover God's plan for balanced living in a busy world. All right, well, balanced living in a busy world, wouldn't that be nice? That sound pretty good to you? Hey, I want to welcome you to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim. It's your first time, man. We're just honored that you're with us today. In fact, we got to welcome the rest of our church family. We have other campuses in New Brunswick, Mountainside, Nutley. Can we welcome them? Put your hands together. We're glad you guys are with us today. Welcome to our new series that I'm calling 24-6. And someone asked me on the way in, they said, is that a misprint? You know, is it supposed to be 24-7, you know, 24 uh, hours, seven days a week? That's the world we live in, right? We're always on, constantly connected, bell to bell, 24-7. Think about your calendar. Some of you are already kind of filling up your schedule for 2014. And it goes pretty quickly, doesn't it? 80-hour um, work weeks or school schedules, Sunday sports, Trips to the grocery store, return stuff to the mall, take the kids here, you know, you know, go to the gym, make vacation plans. All it gets overwhelming and out of control very, very quickly. At least it does in our house. Um, and in fact, I'm talking mainly about my email at this point. Uh, thanks to, uh, you know, bleeding edge technology, you and I are constantly connected 24-7 around the clock. Thanks to Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, we're constantly connected with our family and our friends and tweeting and chirping and And where's God in all this? You know, how can you possibly have ears to hear when we're always plugged in, responding to the vibrations in our pocket? You know, we live in this era of information overload where we are now buried alive in texts and links and video on demand and everything in our world is speeded up. This is now life at 95 miles an hour. Does anybody else feel that way? The stress, the pressure, the frantic kind of stretched thing chronically behind pedal to the metal pace of life. That's modern America. We take it to the limit and then we push it over the edge, over the breaking point with no margin for error. And I'm always like, why do we live like this? Like there's something driving us to push faster and faster, more and more as if speed will somehow add satisfaction to life. I remember when my daughter um, Chase was five years old and I took her to one of those town carnivals with a couple other dads and their daughters, and they had one of those spinny rides. You know, the, it was called the spinning strawberry. Let me show you a picture of this. You guys ever see this? You know, you get inside, you turn the wheel, and then it spins around and around. And we get in, 
uh, me and two other dads with our, their daughters. And one of them was Pastor Mike. He had his daughter, Maura, there. And he goes, are you girls ready? And he starts spinning it, you know, right? And it's going around a little bit. And the girls say, hee, they start giggling. And the other dad goes, that's all he's got, huh? <laughs> and Mike's like, that's not all I've got. And so he starts going like this. And I was like, dude, that's nothing. Watch this. And I start going like this. And now we're like going around and around. And the girls are like, woo. And this ride starts. And it's like 30 miles an hour. And the dad's like, what about 60? And all three of us start cranking this thing round. And we are, and we got a system. And we're laughing because it's centrifugal force because we're pinned to the wall. The dads, we're having the time of our lives. Our little girls, on the other hand, <laughs> had a different experience. That's a picture that my wife took as the strawberry of death swirled by our daughters in tears screaming. And what you don't hear are what my daughter's screaming through the tears. She's yelling, slow down, daddy. Too fast. I want to get off. I think that's how a lot of people feel about life. (laughs) Anybody else feel that way about their schedule? You know, slow down. Too fast. I want to get off. That's our 24-7 world. See, God gives us, you know, each of us has seven days, right? Whether you're an overloaded businessman or you're a carpooling mom with a couple of kids or you're a teenager, you got papers, exams, or college applications. We got seven days and we kind of load it all up and then start feeling squeezed because our calendar gets overloaded and our minds are overstimulated. And from the moment the alarm rings, we go faster and faster until the speed at which we're living starts taking a toll on those we love the most. That's normal in the Northeast, right? And we assume we have to live here, but you don't actually. In fact, what if I told you that this year, God wants to give you a present, a gift this year. You're going to get an extra day every week. What if this was the year you didn't live 24-7, but 24-6? I want you to imagine what that would be like. If you had an extra 24 hours every week of divine downtime, what the Bible calls Sabbath. This is God's idea, and it's a gift to you, and it's really a challenge I want to make at the start of a new year before you pack your schedule, before you clutter with all the things you want to do this year, because it was Jesus himself who first made this invitation to his followers to this life of balance, not busyness. Listen to what Jesus invited them to in Matthew 11. Here's what he said. Ready? Come to me, all you who are... You know what? Let's read the highlighted words together. Ready? Weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Woo, man. Weary and burdened. Then Jesus actually said this. He said, take my yoke upon you. A yoke was a rabbi's teaching. And learn from me. For I'm gentle, not driven, humble, not proud and trying to prove something. In heart. And you'll find what? Rest for your souls. What if your calendar this year created calm and not chaos? Peace, not stress. See, I know something about some of you here today. At the start of the new year, it's 2014, and you have an entire year in front of you to fill up, and you're already thinking of all the things you want to do, right? The places you go, I'm going to go here, and then we're, I'm going to start working out, and then we're, I'm going to get up earlier, we're going to work smarter or longer, whatever, and so on. But here's what I know about you. At the start of a year, a lot of you already feel guilty <laughs> because you've just had a couple of weeks off or something for Christmas or New Year's or Hanukkah or the holidays, whatever. And you're, and you're like, I know I'm supposed to feel rested, you know, refreshed, all ready to go. But in reality, this is you. You're weary. You've been running bell to bell so fast, you're just bone tired. Or you're burdened, the load you have taken on of responsibilities. Even when you lay down, you can't turn your mind off, right? The, the thoughts get going, your hard drive gets going, you're thinking about all you have on your to-do list for tomorrow. 
Manic Monday. Who's ready? All right. In fact, I took a little poll on Facebook this week. Appreciate those of you who responded. I asked you, what is one thing that you'd like to change about your calendar this year? And a lot of people responded. The number one answer was more time. Time to spend with my family and my friends. Time to exercise. Time to play more music. Time to create art. Time to take care of myself. And I was like, how did the richest nation on earth become so time poor, right? Someone wrote these letters, QT, quality time with close friends, quiet time with God. I need to rehear that still small voice and slow down. Another mom commented, less family time on electronic devices, right? Someone's, another mom said, I'm so busy taking care of my family, I don't have time for a calendar, right? The most common complaint you hear people say is there's not enough hours in the day to get it all done. But is it really about not enough hours? Like if I told you magically, here's my wand, there's now 25 hours in a day, 30 hours in a day, right? Do you think your soul would really be rested then? You'd be more tired than you are now. I'm going to make a radical suggestion to you today that our modern problem actually has a very ancient root, Believe it or not, there was a time when people did not work seven days a week. The stores were not open 24-7. In fact, nothing was open on on Sundays. In fact, how many of you grew up in an era where stores were actually closed on Sundays? All right? Yeah, you are ancient, okay? That's that's it. (laughs) I'm not talking about the 1950s. I'm talking about ancient, ancient, like Bible times. Think back, in fact, to when the calendar was first created, okay? It didn't start with Google Calendar, okay? Got to go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 1, the first book of the Bible, the first page of the Bible. You can open it up there if, if you'd like. But this is where we find the first mention of a seven-day work week. Do you remember how this begins? God begins his work. He creates the heavens and the earth. And those of you who are visual learners, I want to illustrate how God went about filling up his schedule. Just watch this, right? On Monday, day one, he starts a universe with a few simple ingredients, right? He says, let there be light, and there's light. That's not a bad Monday. Day two, God separates the sky from the waters, right? He's creating something out of nothing. There's evening and there's morning, the day two. But now watch this, day three, hump day, you phone it in. God's like, I'm going to create the earth. And he creates dry ground and there's plants and there's trees and God's a vegan. And, he, and it says, God saw that it was good. That's what God says at the end of his work days. He goes, oh, this is good. See, work is not the problem. Work is actually a blessing from God. Work is not a curse. God is a worker. He's a creator. He's a producer. And at the end of his workday, he says, man, that was good. But then day four, God looks at his calendar and he says, you know what? I'm going to fill in the sun, the moon, and the stars because he's an orderly worker. First, he creates these blank canvases, realms to fill. Then he fills them, the sun, the stars, the moon. And then watch this. It's Friday. And after his morning coffee, he's like, I'm going to stock the lakes. I'm going to drop some fish in there. I'm going to fill the sky with birds. Tweet, tweet. And God saw that it was good. You imagine him sitting on the end of his pickup truck and looking out at the, you know, the geese going by and the lakes. He's like, man, this this is awesome. I am, I am, this is a great week. I'm very productive. (laughs) On day six, God says, ah, let there be man and woman. This is not the woman. I just want to acknowledge that there's animals involved in here too. But there's Adam and Eve, and on this day, God doesn't say, man, this was good. He says, this is what? Very good. Because God is creating in the order of complexity. That's why he creates woman last, okay? She's the most complex creature (laughs) that he knows. Now watch closely. 
all this time, God's been creating something out of nothing. But in the morning of day seven, God creates nothing out of something. He creates the Sabbath, which simply means stop and rest. Instead of working 24-7 around the clock, God says, my universe is going to run 24-6. And every seventh day, you stop. Those are my operating hours, and this is good. Listen to how Genesis 2 records this. Listen to this ancient wisdom from the Torah, assault your modern ears. It says, on the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he what? Say it together. He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What that means, guys, is that on the last day of the first week in human history, God stopped and rested. Sabbath. He created nothing out of something, and he brought rest into being. Understand, guys, God doesn't rest because, like, he's tired, He's omnipotent. He has all the power in the world. He rests because he's holy, and and therefore rest is holy. It's very simple math, and it's called, the name he gave it is, the Sabbath. This is what the ancient Hebrews called Shabbat, a day of rest, a day of stopping. Sabbath literally means to stop and rest, and the point is you stop working, you stop running around, and you stop running, and you just be. Be what? Be human beings, because God knows something about you, too. He knows some of you have a hard time stopping, right? We do as humans. You create a comfy home to live in, and then, you know, we're going to get a bigger one. We're going to move, and, you know, or you get a promotion at work. This year was amazing. I got ahead at work and everything, and now the new year begins, and you're like, okay, what I'm going to do to climb to the next rung? I'm going to work smarter. I'm going to work longer. I'm going to... We have a hard time with this, but in God's eyes, to work seven days a week is not good. It is a violation of the most primal rhythm set in motion at the beginning of creation, of stress and release, of work and rest. No wonder you're so tired. Sabbath is 24 hours of divine downtime, and it's time to transition from human doings into human beings. And listen, Sabbath is beautiful. I mean, God created it. It's like the cherry on top of the Sunday. He said, this is good. It's holy. This is beautiful. It's blessed. And it's so important. I'm going to stick it smack dab in the center of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus, he says, here's the ten things my universe is going to operate around. Number four. I want to read this together. Ready? Big, loud voice. Here we go. Remember the Sabbath and what? Keep it holy. This is the only commandment that begins with the word remember. Almost as if God knew we would forget. Well, guess what? We did. You and I were born into a modern world that pushes past the natural limits that God commands us to observe. We live in 2014. We are as technologically savvy, more galactically interconnected than ever before in civilization, and more distracted and fragmented than ever, and more stressed out, materially rich and relationally poor. You guys remember the Jetsons cartoon, The Jetsons, when I was growing up? They used to envision the Jetsons, all, what, when, when people have, in the future, when people have time-saving devices like iPhones, 
what are they going to do with all their extra leisure time, right? That was like the big question about the future. What are people going to do, right, with all this extra margin? Guess what? In the last 20 years, work is up 15% and leisure is down 30%. And things are only getting worse. That's happened in the last 20 years. Multitasking, nanotechnology has produced this epidemic of overload, busyness, and stress that's unprecedented in previous generations. Something's missing, and it is called the Sabbath, and it's time to get it back. Because it is your birthright as a child of God. You were created for 24-6 living, and Sabbath is your Heavenly Father's gift to you. And listen, you neglect it at your peril. Some of you maybe come from a, a Jewish tradition that observed the Sabbath on Saturdays. That's a beautiful heritage to have. It's an incredible thing. Uh, Jewish people have observed the Sabbath or Shabbat on Saturdays for thousands of years. It's beautiful. Christians are kind of late to the game. In the New Testament, Christians moved it from the last day of the week to the first day of the week because of the resurrection of Jesus. And they said, you know what? Instead of just resting, let's also share a meal to remember the Lord, the Lord's Supper. And that's how Sabbath became known as the Lord's Day. But understand the big idea. Whether you call it Shabbat or Shabbos or Saturday, Sunday, 24-6, a day of rest, stop day, whatever you call it, it doesn't matter. What's important is the stopping and resting. It is holy. It is one of the ways that you obey and bear the image of God by following his divine rhythm. Can we say this word together? Rhythm. There's an ebb and a flow here, and that's what Sabbath is about. It's about entering this divine rhythm of rest and reflection, of stress and release, taking time to actually remember you were created out of dust and you're going back to the dust and rest in the salvation that Christ offers and then actually be restored, replenished every seven days. Sabbath is not about ticking off your task list. You actually reflect on God's word. He speaks to you and he restores your soul because he knows something. Those first six days, you're going to experience chaos and stress and violence on the work week. And so I got to kind of put you, I got to recreate recreation. I'm going to put you back together and replenish your spirit because I know that this broken, sinful world is going to tear and stress and stretch you beyond your max. That's why I'm giving you this gift of Sabbath. Is that what your Sabbath looks like, by the way? Where you just stop and let God just minister to the deepest place of your soul. How about this Sunday? Can I just ask you about today? Or are you already thinking about, like, the meal you have to make after this? <laughs> or the game you've got to get the kids to? Or the crap you've got to return to the mall? You know, is, there, is that... Or, or it, is it possible that this very modern problem has a very ancient solution? One that is simple, but ignored. See, just a generation ago, almost everything in our society stopped one day a week. Gas stations, banks, grocery stores, they locked their doors on Saturday, and they were closed on Sunday. All of our society was oriented around this 24-6 rhythm. But how about now? You can go shopping at 2 or 3 in the morning, right? Have you ever been to Target like 3 in the morning? Talk about the walking dead. It's like people like just walking, putting stuff in there. It's crazy. You can shop at any hour, download videos on demand, and something got missed in this equation. It's called the Sabbath, God's holy rest, which you wholly need. If you're going to have a year that, listen to me, is relationally rich and spiritually centered, not just stretch to the breaking point, because relationships happen here in the margins, you see? In, in Sabbath rhythms, that's actually where husbands and wives reconnect. Who are we again? <laughs> it's where your heart's softened towards your kids. We're just running around trying to you know, make everything and give them the cheerios. No, stop. Whew, they're a gift. <laughs> okay, oh, they're a gift. <laughs> 
ears open, I can hear God. I'm not totally confused and just reacting to everything coming at me in life. I know what God wants me to do and not do because I sense the Holy Spirit. See, without Sabbath, you will grow frazzled and frustrated. You will get short with those you love. You will start operating on survival mode and think that's normal. And you, the life will get, the joy will just get sucked out of your life and your family and your faith. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Confession time. In some ways, I'll be honest, I'm the least qualified person to teach you about living 24-6. I work on Sundays, okay? <laughs> Think about this. This is what the irony set in. <laughs> this Christmas and New Year's was not the most restful for me. In fact, I'm glad to be at work so I can finally, like, relax, you know? This Christmas was out of control um, at our house, and let me be clear, I was the cause of about 90% of it, maybe more. Uh, it started actually way back in the fall in September when I pushed our calendar past the breaking point. Uh, you remember school began, and we launched this fourth campus, woo, mountainside, and that was awesome, it was exciting, but it was like school starting, and you know, campus launching, wow, there's 3,000 people, and it's all exciting, and it's like all on the same night and weekend. And then we hit October, and we said, let's do outreaches. Jesus loves Jersey, 30 outreaches. No, 40, 50 outreaches. Who thought of that, you know? In the midst of all of this, Colleen, my wife, signed us up to run a Tough mutter. You know, what the, like the special forces, like marathon. I'm like, why are you doing that? She goes, me? You know, and we're like, ah. And then we had six nights of prayer and worship. Six nights, which were awesome, but exhausting, too. And so by the time we hit November, we were running on fumes. We actually had six or seven dinner parties that we were on our calendar, and Colleen was cooking for each one. So we're like maxed out, burned out, we're crispy critters. And then two weeks before Christmas, my dad's pelvis fractured in multiple places. It didn't fall. It's, it, it spontaneously fractured because his cancer now is in the bone marrow, and they're very, very brittle. So needless to say, Colleen and I were approaching Christmas, tanks empty, running on fumes. We were bone dry. Oh, yeah, we both moved our offices the same week, right? The week I slept on the streets of Newark. This, not good, okay? Don't judge me, okay? I'm just confessing my sin to you, all right? Just not. So the Friday before Christmas, I kind of just drove the car off the cliff. Uh, I had friends call from Texas. They're like, hey, we'd love to visit you. I'm like, how about this weekend? Totally impulsive, like no filter. And this was the weekend of the snowstorm. And Kyle's like, they're coming this weekend? And she goes, I feel like Thelma and Louise. You guys remember Thelma and Louise? At the end of the movie, they sit in that convertible, looking out over the Grand Canyon. They're like, hit the gas! Like, right over. So Kyle's like, we're going to do it. So she cooks dinner, and then we drove them 100 miles that weekend in the snow, visiting three campuses. And on Monday, I walked into the office, and I actually just broke down. I was in the middle of just a normal meeting. I actually just started crying. Because I'd visited my dad the night before, and my mom, in the hospital, my mom was just kind of heartbroken because he's not coming home, couldn't be with us for Christmas. And fortunately, my, you know, Tom, Pastor Mike, they were there, my close brothers to comfort me. They actually just prayed for me. We could put all the work aside. They just blessed and ministered to me. But then we're like, well, we got to get back to work because it's Christmas Eve. We got 15 Christmas Eve services. <laughs> I'll preach them, you know, kind of. So I stayed late, and Colleen leaves this message on my cell phone, and she just goes, you have pushed me too far. I can't take it. This is not funny. I can't take any more. She says, I don't, you don't even call me back, because I don't want to hear what the reason is. This is too much, Tim, and it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> A baby in the back goes, Ah! <laughs> This is what happens when you live 24-7. When you drain the tank past empty, the engine seizes, and guess what? Your heart freezes. And the ones you love the most actually pay the deepest price. 
This is the wages of sin, the sin of breaking the fourth commandment. You can get away with it for a while, but at some point you will pay the price, and we did. So I went home, and I was hurting. She was hurting. I repented. I was like, this is my fault. We mended things, and we were like, okay, we just got to get through, you know, the next week. And we kissed. We're like, all right, we're on the same team. We can do this. Two hours before the first Christmas Eve service, my in-laws arrive, uh, my brother and uh, his wife. And we're like, okay, it's okay. Put on a happy face. And Carl goes into work, er, into the kitchen to prepare dinner. And she takes out an avocado, and she's trying to dig out the pit with a steak knife and slices through and stabs right into her hand. And it shot up her arm, and she nicks the nerve in her hand. At least that's what we thought. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And we literally had to rush to the emergency room two hours before we start the Christmas Eve service here. Merry Christmas. Now, by the way, P.S., Coda, she has surgery, uh, you know, on New Year's Eve, and she's fine. She missed the nerve by a millimeter, did not tear the tendons, so she's got stitches and all that, but she's going to be fine. But listen to the punchline. They wheel Colleen out of surgery into the recovery room, and I'm sitting there by her bedside because she's all groggy from, like, anesthesia wearing off. And I smooth back her hair. I'm like, how are you doing, sweetheart? And she looks at me, and she goes, that was the best rest I've had all year. (laughs) True story. (laughs) The best rest. Reality check, okay? When your wife's most relaxing moment of the year is surgery... It's time to take your foot off the gas, okay? Back away and reevaluate how we're living. Houston, we have a problem. 24-7 is not working for us. And I know it's not working for many of you. Some of you have spent the entire year in survival mode. You're starting a business or retrenching your business, or you just got kids under five, man. You're just like, dude, wait, I got it. Get it. You know what? Here's the deal. The cracks are beginning to show. Maybe it's in your marriage or with your kids. Because the pace at which you're running is unsustainable, and you're going to wind up in the hospital, and God wants to spare you. His prescription is, can we get back to this? Can we get back to 24-6? And my original rhythm of divine downtime, of Sabbath living. See, when you surrender your schedule to God, when you give God veto power on your calendar, only then can you develop a sustainable rhythm of work and life balance that includes physical rest and spiritual reflection. The spiritual life, guys, cannot be done at a sprint. You can't serve others authentically out of overflow. You can't develop a deeper prayer life. You can't know God's peace and his rest. When you keep violating one of his most basic commands. Now, I've been very honest with you. And don't worry, by the way, Colleen and I are, we're we're doing fine, okay? It's not like marriage intervention. One of the blessings, one of the strengths of our marriage is that when one of us sins, we're just now like, we don't have time to like nurse grudges anymore. We just repent <laughs> and we repair the tear and we go to God and we spend time praying together and we're, we're okay. But I wanted to be transparent with you so that you could be transparent right now with me to start the year. Take a look at this scale. I put together a little stress to Sabbath scale. Where would you put yourself today to start the year? It goes from negative 10 all the way to positive 10. If you're at negative 10, it means uh, you were late to the service uh, today, you're just walking in. You're like, what's going on? You know, like even right now, right? You're like, why, why are you 30 minutes late? Well, because I was 20 minutes late going through the drive-thru and I, you know, forgot my wallet and I, I get it, all right? You're at negative 10. Positive 10 is you arrive 15 minutes early, right? You're like, I got time to spare, man. I'm, I'm early everywhere. It's, it's just a, if you're stressed out, if you're at negative five right now, maybe you're like, you know, this year I got to take on extra job or extra hours or you're a single mom and you're like, I'm trying to juggle all these things and do the job of two people at one time and everything. You might be a negative five. 
Um, but the problem is with that is a lot of times then when a conflict happens, because you're so maxed out, if there's a crisis in your family, you have no emotional bandwidth to deal with it. So if like a problem happens or the kids they do something, rah, you explode, right? And it's not because you're a grumpy person. You're like, what is wrong with me? It's because you got no more. You're operating out of negative five. The tank is empty. Now, if you're at zero, you're relatively balanced right now. It means you've learned to say no. <laughs> zero means you only schedule one play date after school instead of racing around like a taxi driver on crack, you know? <laughs> Soccer, dance recital, taekwondo, all the rest, right? Sabbath means you actually have a thing called free time in your schedule because it's not jacked up bell to bell, and you actually have the freedom to slow down or say no. Now, if you're at positive five today, I envy you because it means you could do something spontaneous if you wanted. <laughs> with your friends, you could play with your kids if you want, you could help your neighbor shovel their walk, you could take your spouse on a spontaneous date, imagine, instead of everything bell to bell from Monday through Sunday. But catch this, catch this, spiritually, Sabbath is critical if you're going to slow down and hear the still small voice of God when he speaks to you, and he wants to speak to you at all times. If you're at positive 10, you should be the one up here really preaching, okay? I'm like, I'm like a, you know, I'm like a recovering alcoholic at his first AA meeting. I'm like, oh, okay, this is very wet cement for me, okay, and I still need to grow. But if you're at positive 10, that means today you are starting the new year, like, deeply rested. You are connected to Christ. You're, like, living out of overflow because you have this openness of heart that people, like, they are, he really loves people or she's really available and wants to help. And you're ready. You're all ears. You're like, I'm ready to listen to God and serve others because i got time to spare. So just an honest moment, honest moment, okay? Nobody look at others. Just you, you put up your hand where you are. Who here today, raise your hand, all of our campuses, if you're like, I'm at a negative 10, okay? I'm with you. I went over the, the oh, you're liars. This is so interesting, liars. It's okay, dude. We'll start a club, man. We're the negative 10s. I love it. Thanks, dude. Negative five? Negative five? Okay, thank you. That's, that's a little bit more honest. Negative five. How about zero? You're like, you're like balanced. You're, well, look at you Zen people. All right. Awesome for you. Positive five? Do we have positive? You're playing with house money, dude. That's awesome. Praise God. Positive 10? Dude, you need to come shovel my driveway, all right? That's, that's amazing. That's incredible, all right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This series, 24-6, is an invitation for you to recalibrate your heart through your calendar this year. Recalibrate your entire approach to life and work and family and faith. Because instead of making resolutions, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to push past my limits in 2014 to get it all in, God says, well, what if we just did this? What if we started simple about what you don't do this year? What if we start about reclaiming the sustainable rhythms that I said you need weekly rest and spiritual reflection? Because wherever you are on this stress to Sabbath schedule, could you commit to go one click up this year. Like if you're starting at negative five, could you imagine actually getting to a place of balance? Like I'm not snapping at the kids. I'm not driving around like a crazy person. Could you go one click up because it's an invitation from Jesus Christ himself. Listen to the words of Jesus to his followers. He says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary. Weary has to do with speed. It means you're so bone, you're bone tired from the pace at which you're running. And what? Burden, that has to do with weight, how much you're carrying, the load you've taken on. How heavy is your work, your relationships, your parenting, everything weighing you down. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What am I going to give you? I'm going to give you a rest. Rest. Not just physical, spiritual, emotional. See, Sabbath isn't like, okay, you get to sleep late one morning, 
and then you get back on that treadmill in the rat race. No. 24-6 is about a lifestyle of divine rest, of learning to live in the Sabbath rhythms that Jesus modeled and God ordained at the outset of his creation. And guys, the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive deep into a study of the Sabbath and what this looks like in 21st century. Because some of you are like, hey, this is great in concept, but give me tools. Next week, I'm going to give you practical tools how you actually begin taking steps to Sabbath living, okay? And I want to give you a hint about this, okay? It's not like, so come to church for an hour on Sunday. God's like, an hour? I'm giving you 24 glorious hours every week to do nothing, to be unplugged, to take out your cell phone, turn it off, get behind me, Satan, okay? Imagine this. Don't, don't go shopping. This is not to go shopping. You go outside, okay? You enjoy good food. Not, I'm talking about the Olive Garden. You go out for a good meal. You drink some decent wine with your friends. You play with your kids. Enjoy the silence. And maybe, maybe, maybe you take part in the most spiritually sophisticated activity of all. Maybe you actually take a nap. How does that sound, right? Pretty, pretty great. But here's the deal. I want to start with baby steps this week. If you've never taken a Sabbath before because some of you are freaking out, you're like, I don't got 24 hours, Lucas. Uh, 24 hours with God? Like, I didn't, last year I couldn't get 24 hours in the whole year. Could you start with one hour? One hour this week. This, one hour this week, I want to challenge you to go whole hog. Hog is a little saying we have in the Lucas house, and hog simply stands for hour alone with God. When I get stressed or overloaded and I start, you know, barking at the kids or whatever, Colleen will say, kids, daddy needs a whole hog, okay? Just give him a hog, an hour alone with God. And I try to do this a couple of times a week. It's a little bit different than like my daily devotions because I just take longer to process. When I have an hour alone with God, what I do is I actually, I, I get alone, alone, and I take out the Bible. I start reading scripture. I journal what's going on in my heart. I meditate. I pray. And at the end of it, I'm a different person. God shows up every time and he speaks too. Because he refocuses my heart, open my ears to what's truly important. And I am, Colleen will tell you, I am a better husband. I am a better father. I'm a better son. And I make saner decisions with my schedule. Like this week. This week I took a whole hog, just an hour alone with God, to reorient myself to the new year. Because like a lot of you, I had emails, you know, come up over the holidays I didn't get to, requests to answer, appointments to make, invitations and stuff. Before I jumped out of Google Calendar... I said, I got to learn my lesson from Christmas, right? Insanity is when you do the same thing over and over but expect a different result. I don't want to just repeat the fall. I want to reflect on where God's taking me in the new year, my family, and how I can actually honor him as a follower of Christ. So I spend this hour with God, and I'm just kind of reacquainting myself with God's voice. You know what's so cool? Even when you drift from God, God never moves. He's, he's right there waiting. He's, he's telling you some of you today, just come back, spend, an, spend a hog with me. I have things to tell you. I'm not angry at you. And so I take this time just kind of meditating, I'm journaling, and it was funny because God gave me very specific direction in an area I wasn't expecting. Uh, over Christmas, I got this email from, um, from some leaders in New York City. They said, hey, we're doing this big kind of outreach event in, in New York City, and we want you to be on the steering committee. And I was like, why? That's for New York City. And they're like, we want New Jersey representation, and we're only asking one pastor in New Jersey. And we want to be you because Liquid Church is creative and we think your people are so innovative and smart. They don't know, I think. But, you know, they don't know. So, <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, that, great. That's an honor. Uh, you know, let me think about it. Because I didn't want to say no because I rationalized. I was like, what's it about? And it's about serving the poor and all that. And I'm like, that's totally what we're, we're about. That's our heart. Um, because there's all sorts of good things you can get involved in. And I tell you something. Listen, good things are the arch enemy of God things, okay? So I didn't 
say yes, but I didn't say no. And I was just like praying for it. I was like, God, I want to commit my year to 24-6 and invest in things only I can do. And immediately, as I'm journaling, God brought this picture in my head of my dad in the hospital. And the truth is this. Can I just update you? My dad's dying. Okay, I, I'm so grateful to those of you who pray for him and you pray for his healing. Now, if you would pray for mercy, okay, at this point, because this is likely the final approach before my father goes home to meet Jesus, okay, in heaven. And it's been, it's been a hard, hard year for my family, especially my mom. She's kept vigil um, by my dad's bedside in the hospital. They actually wheeled a hospital bed in next to my dad so she could sleep there, uh, you know, over Christmas and New Year's. And, um, and I'm praying, and I, I hear the Holy Spirit telling me, Tim, you make extra margin for your family this year because your mom is going to need you in ways you don't even understand right now. And as her son, you need to be there for her because your dad is dying. And as a minister of Christ, for your family, not just the church, you need to be present in all the ways that matter most. And I heard that, and I journaled it down, and I immediately knew I had to do. I opened my email, that invitation. I said, I am honored, but no thank you. I need to be with my family first this year. That is the kind of clarity that only God can give you. That is the kind of conviction you can have when Christ controls your calendar, when God has veto power over your schedule, when you come to Jesus with your burdens and your stress, and what does he do? He slows you down, he centers your soul, and he says, I'm going to give you divine discernment to know what to do. And typically, that would have been a very hard email for me to write. I, I, like, I don't like to disappoint people. I like to say yes as much as I can. But after I spent a whole hour alone with God and carved that time out, you know what? I was able to hear God speaking to me, and he took my burden, and he made it lighter and easier. Take my yoke upon you. My, my, it's, it's, it's lighter. It's easier. Let me ask you this. Five years from now, you think I'll miss being on that steering committee, or will I remember the time I had it with my dad? I had to tell you this story not because I'm a perfect pastor or son. It's just the opposite. I'm prone to going 24-7, 25-8, okay, like many of you. But I want to encourage you because if God can course correct my heart and calendar here at the start of the year, he can do the same for you. So here's your challenge. Some of you are going to face decisions this week when you get home, okay, Monday morning. You have opportunities. You're smart people. You get invitations to do all sorts of things. And you got plenty that you can say yes to this year. But can I just challenge you today? Before you make that commitment, before you say yes, before you take the extra job or take the extra hours or sign on for that committee, would you first take time for an hour alone with God this week to rest, to reflect, and reclaim the Sabbath rhythm that your Heavenly Father created you to live in? Ask your father what he has to say. This week, my, my heavenly father told me to stop doing something because my dad is dying. Can I ask pointedly, what's dying in your life? Is there a strain in your marriage that you've been ignoring, but it's going to fall apart if you don't do something about the unsustainable pace? What's dying? What's dying in your family circle? Who's in pain? Is there a cry for attention from your kids, because amidst all the activity you got going for them, all sorts of good stuff, they've got no spiritual anchor because all your family knows are manic Mondays but no true Sabbath Sundays. Listen to me. Take the time to talk to your father. He misses you. So does his son. Listen to the invitation of your Savior 
Listen to this with fresh ears. Jesus, Jesus talking to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you what? Rest. That's the invitation. If you're chronically behind, you're terminally busy, and it seems like there's not enough hours in your day, how about this? Instead of working harder or smarter or longer this year, what if you just followed God's example and simply ah, stopped? Shabbat shalom. The rest and peace of God be upon you. And you push back against our 24-7 culture and make this the year of 24-6 because that's what the Sabbath is. And we're going to learn how to build this into our spiritual life. It's a gift from your Father. And your Lord, Jesus, said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And he wants to be Lord of your schedule too. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray together. All our campuses, heads bowed. Father God, I thank you right now. Father, for your people here gathered, we've come here uh, not because we're filled to overflowing, Lord, but because some of us are empty and we need to be filled afresh right now. I ask for your Holy Spirit, Father God, who hovered over creation and called it all into being, who ordained all the days written for us before one of them came to be. Father, today you want to fill your children in a fresh way. Father, I pray for overloaded families. I pray for marriages, Lord, that are stretched to the breaking point right now. I pray, God, for those of us here today who are negative 10, who are negative 5, who are teetering on the brink right now, would you meet us in this moment? Would you allow Christ to be our rest? We want to enter your rest, not just physically, Lord, but emotionally and spiritually. We want to experience your peace right now. Would you just restore our soul as we worship? And we ask that all glory would go to you. All God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.